this beautiful one that the bride boasts upon is the same one we read of in Isaiah 53. The one where it says, He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit found in his mouth. Back in Song of Solomon, chapter 4, or chapter 5. After the women of the city have said, what is thy beloved more than another beloved? She concludes in verse 16, we just read, neither was any deceit in his mouth. And she concludes by saying, his mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend. What a beautiful picture, a real picture of who the Lord Jesus is and how he loves and how lovely he is to his bride. This morning I'd like to look at a, <clears throat> a portion of scripture I'd been thinking about, upon recently. Genesis chapter 24, it's the story that we've heard many times. In the school field it's entitled A Bride for Isaac. It's the entire chapter, chapter 24 of Genesis. It's 67 verses about the story of a bride for Isaac. 67 verses, I think that's a little lengthy. Because I look back just two chapters, and I see that seminal story of Abraham and Isaac on the mount. Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and it takes up but 14 verses. Yet this chapter, relatively simple chapter, takes up 67 verses of Scripture. It may well have been that Moses had an inspired day that day, had nothing on his agenda, and decided he would go into great detail in this. We don't believe that, do we? Because we believe that all scripture is inspired by God and every jot and tittle is there for a reason. Every verse is put there for a reason. 
the length of it, the description, the, re the repetitive nature of this chapter. It's to emphasize something. In the book of Genesis, such a small story to take up such uh, a great amount of space makes us wonder that perhaps it is important. Perhaps it is worth reading. And so we've got this story here. You know, Isaac is unique among the, the patriarchs in that he had but one wife. Abraham, he had Sarah, but he also took Hagar, and then after Sarah's death, who did he marry? Keturah. And he had a, another slew of children, didn't he? He had a whole bunch of children in his old age. Joseph, we know, had two wives and then the handmaids of the wives. But Isaac has but one wife. And, of course, the wife that Isaac has is not really his choice, you might say, because it was his father's, his father's idea, his father's plan, and it was his father's servant that went and fetched the gal. Yet Isaac, in obedience to his father, in faith that his father is following God's will, in faith to the God of heaven, knows that this bride that's going to be brought for him is for him and for him alone. Let's begin in chapter 24, verse 1. <clears throat> it says, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. Sarah had recently died within the last few years. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand upon my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son, Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me. The, the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy and unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou that thou... The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and swear unto me, unto thy seed will I send. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. And so we have here in the beginning, <clears throat> there's no mention of the Lord instructing Abraham on what to do. This was not a verbatim plan of the Lord to have Abraham... Uh, acquire a wife for his son. But Abraham, who walked in faith, knew the promises of God, he knew the provision of God, and he knew the 
sincerity and the fear of God to know that his home and his son's home was to be in the promised land. Isaac was unique in scripture as well, among the patriarchs at least, and that he was the promised son. Ishmael was the son of the flesh, wasn't he? Isaac was the son of promise. And had Abraham a a little more faith, a little more patience, and perhaps if Sarah had kept her mouth shut, perhaps Isaac would have been the only son. But Ishmael came first, the son of the flesh, the efforts of the flesh. And Isaac comes, the son of the promise. And this promised son to him is given the promised land. It was won by his father. It was won by Abraham, wasn't it? By his efforts. We remember the story of Lot being taken captive up to the north and he, uh, by the five kings and Abraham had to take his men with him and rescue Lot. And he had won a place through his, through his hard work and through the blessing of God. Not at the gates of Sodom and Gomorrah as Lot did but on the far hills, on that land prepared by God for Abraham and his people to inhabit forever. So the promised son was not to leave the promised land. And so he has his servant. Most people believe it was Eliezer who's mentioned in the other stories. Eliezer whose name means helper of God or helped of God. Eliezer, his right-hand man, who had charge over all things. He was not of the family of Abraham. He was not a cousin, not a nephew, not not an uncle. He was of Damascus. He was a Syrian. And yet he was a faithful, faithful believer. And he was faithful to Abraham, and he was faithful to Abraham's God. And he was willing to go, and he was willing to swear, and he was willing to promise. Not only that he would bring a woman, you know, he could have gotten halfway there to Aleppo or somewhere and said, you know, there's some fine-looking women here. Who will be the wiser? Abraham would be the wiser. He was to go all the way to Haran. He was to go to the family of Abraham, to the family of Abraham's father and of his brother and of his sisters. And he says, I will do that. I swear I will. And he had a second promise he had to make. I promise, because Abraham has just buried his wife. Abraham knows his years are not long. Abraham's at the end of his life. And Abraham's a little concerned that before Isaac is wed to a girl of whom I approve, I may may have met my maker, I may be through, I may be dead. But you must promise me, my servant, that you will never take my son back. Yes, we're a stranger in this land, but it is our land. Yes, we have family back in the old country, but that's no longer our country. Promise me. And he says, and I promise. The servant promises. But he makes contingency. What if she won't come? Well, if she won't come, get another one, is what I would have said. Find another one that will come. No, the servant had faith that there was one woman There was one chosen by God. Again, I would say, I'll find another. (laughs) There's more than one fish in the sea, and a lot of them are good looking, too. Where is 
What if she will not come, the one will not come? Then you're free of your oath. And Eliezer, or the servant, did not waste time. It says in verse 10 that the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed. For all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and he went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. Ten camels. I don't know if that means ten men or if there were ten camels laden with gifts. Or if there were four camels laden with gifts and empty horses for the re- uh, camels for the return trip. But he went fully provisioned. Not only for the trip, but he took with him gifts. And he took with him spare camels. Because he would not fail at this task. His master had set him on a task which might have been trivial to most. That might have been the, the, the uh, thing of the day, was to go and obtain a wife through barter, bargain, or whatever means. But to him, it was, not a, it was not something to be trifled with. For him, he went well provisioned. And he took those. And he made his, and he made his camels to kneel down without the city, the city of Nahor, by the gate. Uh, by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. He's asking the Lord not to bless his endeavor, but to bless the endeavor of his master, his master Abraham. This servant is not there to accomplish his mission, accomplish his master's mission, and to fulfill it to the word. To fulfill the oath. He says unto the Lord, Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Either the servant was a man of extreme faith or was excessively careful because it wouldn't be enough that a damsel would offer water, but that she must have this reply and respond in these ways, then I'll know. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. And it came to pass before he had done speaking before he had done speaking, that the Lord honored the request of the servant to make sure that the, the aim of the father was taken care of. While he was yet, before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, Now, in the scriptures, uh, the term fair and very fair is used quite often. But in the original language, the way that it's put in here is that she was extremely good looking. And the damsel was very fair to look upon. A virgin, neither had any man known her, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. 
She was not forward. She did not approach this man. She came up, and the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also, ten camels, after a journey of 600 miles. It said that camels can drink up to 20 gallons after a long journey at a sitting, times 10 camels, 200 gallons, four of the 55-gallon drums from a pitcher. Now, I know the wells in those days, there were different ways of drawing water. There were, there were fulcrum methods of doing it. There were, there were uh, rope and pulley systems that were drawn by mules or camels. They would just pull in a straight line, and it would draw the, the, ba- the water bag. It was usually a goat skin. You had one in your village, didn't you? <laughs> Magdi, is that how you got your water? Yes. <laughs> so Magdi got his water. 200 gallons of water, this, this woman was willing to draw. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher again into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. Now the interesting thing here to me is there are those that have been met, that have been touched, that have been uh, encountered, that have words, that use words, that say, yes, I will help you. I will follow you. I will will assist you. And then for one reason or another, another, something comes up and the words were the words were hollow. The actions were not there to follow up with it. But the beauty of this one is that she, she not only said she would, but that she went back and forth, and she did draw for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, held his peace, to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass as the camels... Now, he hadn't asked her, What family are you from? Who's your father? Who's your grandfather? He just asked her about the water. So it said that he held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold value today half a million dollars? Ten, twenty shekels, each one a half ounce of gold, ten ounces at sixteen hundred an ounce, hundred and sixty, hundred and sixty thousand dollars, something like that. Still not sure which family she's from. And said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in, my fa- in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. Oh, do those names sound familiar to you? Can 
Can you imagine how his heart when he heard those names? Nahor? That's my master's brother. She said, moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. The man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And the damsel ran and told them of her, mother, told them of her mother's house these things. And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out, of, out unto the man, unto the well. I kind of wonder if Laban... When he, first saw the, when he first heard the news, his eyes were immediately taken to the bracelets and to the ring. Because Laban seems, as we read later, the type that drives a hard bargain. The type that'll squeeze another, squeeze a, a penny from a stone. It says, and Laban ran out unto the man, unto the well. And it came to pass when he saw the earring and the bracelets upon his sister's hands, and when he heard the words of Rebekah his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. Wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for the camels. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his camels, and gave straw and provender for the camels and water to wash his feet, and the men's feet that were with him. They were given a polite and true Mideast welcome. That they were welcomed into the house of the brethren. Their feet were washed. They were given clean, clean raiment. Water to wash his feet and the men's feet that were with him. And there was set meat before him to eat. And he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, speak on. <clears throat> I don't know how many days he was on the road. You figure with, even with camels, you're going to get 30, 40 miles a day. He's been on the road for two weeks. Been on the road for two weeks. He won't wait to be refreshed and nourished before he gets to the news. Because to do the will of his master is, is his highest. That's his highest goal, isn't it? I came here not to get a little vacation, a road trip, some good food, get myself well taken care of. I came here to do my father's will, my master's will. <clears throat> I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, speak on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant. And they knew the name. And the Lord hath blessed my master greatly. And he has become great. And he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, men servants, maid servants, camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old. And unto him hath he given all that he hath. Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old. And unto him hath he given all that he hath. 
realizing that Sarah was what, 80, 100? Well, how old was Sarah when she gave birth to Isaac? 207. She was 90 when she gave birth to Isaac. So while most people were already having grandchildren, great-grandchildren, they're having their children. So it's no wonder that the two brethren, Nahor and Abraham, one son and one's granddaughter would be the right age because of that long wait while Sarah spent her years in barrenness. And so the grandson of one brother, or the granddaughter of one brother marries the son of the other brother. And he speaks of his master and his greatness and his wealth and how he's blessed of God and how he only has one son, one heir, and all this will be his. There will be no division of spoils between many brethren. There's but one promise. And unto him hath he given all that he hath. And he goes on to rehearse the story, to repeat the story of how he was sent there. How he was not to come away empty-handed. How he was not to bring Isaac up but that how he was to give the gifts and to invite the chosen one to come back with him. And so he repeats the story until we get down to verse 49. In verse 49 it says, And now if ye will deal kindly and truly, not with me, but with my master, Tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing cannot, the thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Well, God blessed them that they could, they could see that this was of the Lord. This was not a time to negotiate, make a make a counter offer. Well, that was a nice start, but what else have you got? This was not the time. They realized that this thing was from the Lord. This thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And there in the presence of these men and these women, his first thought was to thank God that he had been dealt with in this way. He worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And then the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. The first, the bracelets and the ring, they were but a token. They were but a token of the father and the son. Their wealth, their blessings, their generosity, they were just but a token. And now there's the earnest. Now those camels are unladen. 
bags of gold and silver, jewelry and raiment. And he doesn't say what that raiment is, but I think among that raiment was the wedding dress of Rebecca. There were dresses of fine, fine linen and silk and as a token of the esteem and of the wealth of her new family. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment, and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. And they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him, and tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning and said, Send me away to my master. After two hard weeks on the road, one night of rest, and he, and he wants to get back on those comfortable camels. Those, what do they call them, the ships of the desert, the seasick ships of the desert? And her brother, and I think it was rather reasonable, and her brother and her mother said, well, let the damsel abide with us for a few days, at least ten, and after that she shall go. The servant did not have express instructions from his master to come back within 12 hours of success. But it is a credit to the servant that his thought was not on being rested and entertained and dined. His thought was on the precious cargo he has just obtained and how he wanted to get it back. He's fulfilled his mission. He's got something bought with great, great price. And he wants to bring it back. Bring it back to his master. That bride. And he wants to bring it back to see the look on his master's son's face when he's united with the bride. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to, go to my master. And they said, we will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said, wilt thou go with this man now? And she said, I will go. Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. This speaks something of Rebekah as well, doesn't it? She's going to leave all that she knows, all that she has. She's going to leave her mother. She's going to leave her father. She's going to leave her brethren. She's going to leave her childhood friends. And she's going to go and be the bride of a man she has never seen. You girls ready to do that? I think not. She's ready to go and be the bride of a man she's never seen. To give up all she has and to blindly go to a man she's not seen. But it's not that she's completely ignorant of him, is it? The servant has spoken of him. The, spoke, the, the, the servant has spoken of the new home, of the lands, of the flocks, of the crops, of the silver and the gold of the streams and the trees and the brooks, of the promise of God, 
of this promised land. He's spoken of the miracles that have been seen by his master. Perhaps he's even spoken of that day on Mount Moriah. How that the very hand of God is upon this, this father and this son. How that their faith in God has led them to this blessing and to this moment and to your invitation to join. And she, without hesitancy, says, I will go. And they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And so for that long journey back, I would assume each night that they would set up a tent, pitch a tent and set up a campfire. And there into the evening, the servant would sit there and tell stories of his master and his master's son. And Rebecca would ask questions. Well, what was he like as a boy? What, what color are his eyes? What's his favorite color to wear? Does he have a favorite horse? And the servant would share all that he knew, but perhaps omit any flaws that there might be. There's one that has no flaws. But Isaac was human, wasn't he? But this servant, without ever seeing the, the bridegroom, this young bride was falling in love, wasn't she? And Isaac came from the way of the well, Lahai Roy, and he dwelt in the south country, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate or to pray in the field at the eventide. And I think Isaac had been out there every night for the past three, four, five weeks, praying that his wife, though he didn't know her name, though he'd never seen her face, he knew that his wife was coming. His wife was preparing herself. His wife had already been paid for. The deal had been made. They were betrothed. They were engaged as, as surely as any two in today's culture. And he was out in the field and he was praying. And God blessed him by bringing her, by bringing that caravan while he was out there. He lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camel coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she, she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah 
And she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. What a beautiful story, a lengthy story, a detailed story. One might almost think we, we've got more information than we really need in relation to other stories in the Bible. But each of these words, inspired of God, paints a picture for us that follows on to the picture painted two chapters previous. When Isaac was led up a mountain. When Isaac said, I see the fire in the wood, Father, but where's the lamb? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. And that beautiful and poignant story, which we all look upon and see the fulfillment of that, and John the Baptist cry 1,500 years later, Behold the Lamb of God. God will provide himself a lamb. Behold, here is the lamb. Because that day it wasn't a lamb that was sacrificed on Mount Moriah, was it? It was a ram. Abraham prophesied it would be a lamb that God would provide. John the Baptist declared, this is the Lamb of God. And so what a beautiful picture. Here it's carried on. This morning we read in Revelation chapter 5 that proceeding from the throne of God or coming out of the throne of, of God was a lamb as it had been slain. Later in Revelation, we won't have time to get there, I was hoping to finish with it, was the marriage supper of the lamb. It's that lamb. From Genesis to Revelation. It's the lamb of God, isn't it? Isaac was a picture of that lamb of God, wasn't he? He was on that altar. The knife was raised. In his father's eyes, he was dead already. Abraham had no intention of staying his hand, did he? He had counted his son dead for three days. But it was there on Mount Moriah that Isaac was raised in the eyes of Abraham. He was raised from the dead. He had been a walking dead man for three days because he had given his vow to his father, his, to his God. I will sacrifice my son. And yet God gave him the blessing that day of staying his hand and seeing his son, who had counted as dead, raised to life. Isaac is not spoken of again until this day. And you know it had been years from the youth Isaac to now the bridegroom Isaac. No mention. He goes from the resurrection on Mount Moriah to the coming for his bride, the claiming of his bride. What a picture of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. In all of this, we see in Isaac and Rebekah beautiful pictures. You know, the overall theme of it is it's a father's desire to find a bride for his son. It's a story of a son who was accounted as dead and then raised from the dead. It's a story of a nameless servant who was sent forth to get a bride for the son. The lovely bride was divinely met, divinely chosen and called, and then lavished with gifts. 
And then she was entrusted to the care of that servant until she met her bridegroom face to face. Rebecca is, of course, a picture of what? Of you and I, of the church, isn't she? Isaac, a picture of the Lord Jesus. In Rebecca and the church, we see that they were both chosen. They were chosen for marriage before they even knew it. Brothers and sisters, we have been chosen to be the bride of Christ. Someday we will say, and hopefully we've already begun, when someone asks us, why is thy beloved different than any other beloved? We know why. Because there's none like him. He is altogether lovely. Both Rebecca and the church were necessary for the accomplishment of God's eternal purpose. Both were destined to share in the glory of the Son. We read about how all that the Father had is the Son's. Isaac is the sole heir. Both Rebecca and the church have been called to leave that which they've known, to go, to be with one who they've never seen. And of course, Rebecca and the church are both beloved of the Son. Rebecca by Isaac and we of the Son of God. Isaac is a picture of the Lord Jesus. Both were promised in their coming, weren't they? Isaac is the promised son. Promised to a, a barren woman and an old man. They were both promised before their coming. They appeared at the appointed time. Both, of, both were conceived and born miraculously, if, if you consider the barrenness of Sarah. And both were given a special name before their birth. Both were offered up in sacrifice by their fathers. Both were brought back from the dead. Both became a great company to bless all people. Both prepared a place for their bride. And both have a ministry of prayer until they are united with their bride. That's when we see Isaac in the field meditating or praying in the evening. His love has already become strong for a woman he's never met. What a beautiful picture to all of us, but especially you young people. You may not, you may not know who you're going to marry, but he or she is out there somewhere, and they should be prayed for, because that's your future husband or your future wife. Pray for them like Isaac prayed for them. Pray that they would be prepared to be that godly wife or husband for you. Pray that they would be kept from sin, that they would be kept pure, that they would be kept in God's word until that time. So we're out of time. But the beauty of this story is that there is, there is a man 
who though we have not seen, we love. But he has seen each of us. Not only has he seen us, but he's gone forth and he has paid the bride price. I have, a, I have a reading here. Maybe we'll get to it another time. It's a description of a Jewish wedding. Beginning at the betrothal, where the gifts are given, the deal is made, and then a cup of wine is taken, and it is shared. And if the bride will take of that cup, then they are virtually bonded from that point. It would take a true divorce to separate them if she would take of the cup. Our Lord Jesus has paid the bride price. He has filled the cup. He has invited us. He has proposed to us to share in his home, in his wealth, in his glory, but especially in his love. What is thy beloved more than another beloved? He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend. Heavenly Father, we thank you gave us what we did not deserve. You gave your son and Father, now as we look forward to being united with him one day. Father, we would sing his praises. We would seek to learn more of his beauties as we travel this road to meet him. Father, we look forward to that moment when we shall hear his call, we shall hear his voice come home to the great wedding feast of the Lamb. Oh, Father, what a blessing it is to know that we are loved of thee loved of thy son, and it is proved in his blood and in his wounds. So, Father, help us, shape us, use us, teach us of the love and the beauties of thy son, and that will make us different people. So, Father, we thank thee for this and for thy word in his name. Amen.